This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806. Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blades. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome to another episode of Homestyle. Of course, Shane Blaze is with me in the studio. I'm Jane Neal, just look obsessed with renovating and real estate at the moment. And the pleasure is mine to have Shana in the studio for Homestyle. Of course, Shana Blaze, interior designer, author, TV presenter on Selling Houses Australia and The Block and a whole lot more. Oh, Shane, I just get exhausted reading your credits. <laughs> I was almost going to add entrepreneur to that. How do you feel about the title of entrepreneur? Um, I think accidental entrepreneur would be Ooh, okay. I like that. Uh, I think it's one of those things that, you know, people say if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. No, nah, that's a lie. I work so hard. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, you love what you do. I but, love what I do. Yeah. And I wake up every day with an excitement and a passion. And, you know, when when you do work with what you love and you exude excitement, that it, it attracts people to you. So I've had so many opportunities come towards me. And um, saying no is a very hard thing. And um, I I feel I've been very lucky that I I do like to hold a lot of plates. So I've been able to say yes to a lot of opportunities. So that's where I say accidental. Accidentally just uh, absolutely running an empire. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Shana, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent this week because it's funny. Look, I bought a property in the country that I've just gotten settlement on. And I know because of talking to people, there are so many people, we touched on this with Jimmy and Tam last week, so many people who have decided to make maybe a big move, the sea change or the tree change, or even like Jimmy and Tam said, you know, they thought they were going to be in Melbourne. They thought they were going to be chasing the big career move and have decided that family and home and being on the Sunshine Coast is for them. So I know I'm not the only one who has found themselves, and look, I'll admit, I sold a house in six days and bought another one pretty much sight unseen because I wasn't able to get to the inspection. Um, Now have walked in the door and go, Wow, there's a lot of work to do here. So this episode is for anyone who kind of would love to have you on their shoulder giving advice. But look, I've got to say, having watched Selling Houses Australia, all episodes, what are we, season 12? 13. 13. 13, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Unfortunately, that is a consecutive 13 years. So, you know, the fashion and style (laughs) changes over the years. But what I have found, and because like Selling Houses Australia is almost running back to back, it might as well have its own channel on Foxtel. I've actually found it really interesting to go back to those older episodes because whilst the design may change, the fundamentals of how to approach a renovation are really still the same. It doesn't matter what era you're doing it in. So if I'm walking... We're going deep dive (laughs) right now. What do you do when you walk into a property first, if someone, it's a client, say I invited you down to my little country cottage. Let's use you as a test case. Jane, what if we do that? Okay. So (laughs) the house is actually, the history behind it is that it was um, moved in the 40s. It's 1880s, apparently, according to the owner. They used to send these flat pack 
kind of cottages to the colony. So this house is a railway property. It was built on the railway line as a station master's house. So they would put these panels of cottages on, I'm assuming, sailing ships at the time, ship them from Europe, so it's all hardwood apparently, and then just construct if they needed three bedrooms in one location for the train station master or they needed just a one bedroom because he was just a you know single bloke they would literally do like an IKEA kind of flat pack thing and just put them together as they needed so every aspect of this house is different like wow. some of the the boards go you know horizontally some go on an angle so they're all completely <gasps> different so that's kind of the history behind it moved to this location in the 1940s from a different train station wow. so I know I'm dealing with a fair bit of history so it has its quirks so if I invited you down hopefully you know a couple of glasses of bubbles Shana to get you in the mood what would you be looking at first when you walk into a client's property or a new place that you've purchased, what's the brain kind of scanning and thinking of first? Are you thinking aesthetics or structure? First of all, I'm thinking what does the client want out of this? Is is it um, a flip? Is it to change um, from a home to something that's more of a, a stage home? Is it going to be just you by yourself or one or two other people? Or is it – it's the brief that mm. will decide where I go and what I do. Then you go around and look at what's structurally sound. Uh, structure is always the first thing, making sure that it's safe, um, what walls can be adjusted if we need it, and also, you know, the plumbing the electrics, they're the things to address. And it doesn't mean you're going to change it all before before you get onto the style. You just know that when you're looking at those things, they're the big bucks. That's where the yeah, money's okay. going to come that you will never see. And you will then have to address your budget of what your compromises will be. So they're the main thing is the brief. What do you need to, out of it? What are you going to do as a family, as a single person, as a partner? Uh, th- that is fundamental. Then the structure because that's where, you know, you have a budget and you start at the structural and then you work back what you can afford to pretty it up. Okay, so there's no point putting in a nice new kitchen if actually there's a leak in the laundry that is causing some yeah. structural issues. And that's the thing. If you've got the leak and as frustrating as it is, it can actually be a problem for the, the stumping of the house and everything that's underneath. So it might be a case that if there's a leak there that's an issue, it might be able to be just cut off and you don't use it and then that's a problem solved there but you have to address that later. Do your kitchen then. But if it's something that you can't address and it has to be done, you have to compromise. So I'm in a lucky situation where structurally everything according to the building inspection is pretty much A-OK. For someone who has had a building inspection, it, like, is it always just a guaranteed or do you actually advise people to get in and have a bit of a look once they actually take ownership of the property just to double check that perhaps that report that you got is, you know, say they think there's asbestos there. I guess there's a big difference between possibly contains asbestos and 
is full of it. <laughs> Look, I think the thing is with the building report, it's about ticking boxes. You need the, the building report to actually sort of get across the line, making sure that there's certain things, then still get a builder on top of that. And, you know, asbestos is a big thing and they will be able to tell you at the beginning there's a little or a lot. And then structurally sound, the electrics, they're all just ticking boxes of the basics. But with any house, until you start pulling out the, the walls and the the, um, the coverings, you don't really know what's fully behind it. There's a bit of, you know, could be um, lack of waterproofing, could be um, some rot underneath, could be they can't get under everything. And so there's there's only a certain type of guarantee that will come with those reports. So yet yeah, you do need to do your own due diligence on top of that. Because it feels like every renovation show that you watch, and look, I think the American ones seem to just set it up really well, that it's like, everything's fine. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there's all is like a huge drama in the middle of it. Yeah. In your experience, is that realistic? And and do people just have to accept that there is going to be hidden nasties or something that's a curveball? Has has it always happened on on jobs you've done, or have you had renos where you just go, "Huh, yeah, it pretty much went like we thought." Oh God, you know what? I never ever say out loud, "Oh, you know, this is going really well." If someone says halfway through a reno, oh, this is going really well. It's much better than what I thought. I look at them and I think, right, you've done it now. You've jinxed it. No, it de- it doesn't run smoothly. It's um, Starting from scratch doesn't run smoothly. I-, I think that's, you know, if you go in thinking, oh, I'm just going to do a, a, a paint and just dress it up, you're doing that to get in and get out. Yeah, be really, okay. be really, really careful because you know it might be you're going in to dress it up and make it look lovely just for a couple of years till you work out what you're going to do. There's always going to be hidden things, and you know if it's been renovated a couple of times, you know people have cut corners, and that's just yeah. realistic too. So knowing the history of a place is also maybe really interesting. Um, you know that like something I learned recently about the fact that they didn't use proper waterproofing. In yeah. certain periods of houses, like you, I didn't know that. Anything sort of before nineteen sort of eighty, you assume has asbestos somewhere and um, wasn't waterproofed. Mm. There just wasn't. Yeah, you know, I I was um, I'm renovating my bathroom at the moment, and it was a renovation that was done probably five years before I bought it, and it was. A interior designer and an engineer owned it. Oh, and you would expect top job, wouldn't you? There was no waterproofing. Oh, like I was flabbergasted to to <laughs> do a bathroom. You actually have to get it signed off, and so you know you just assume. And again, breaking that rule, what you see on the surface might look great, but once it's starting to function and be used, you, problems can happen. So. Always, you know, we keep saying have a contingency, always expect something to go wrong. And until you have completely finished it and you're having that glass of wine with a party, then go, wow, that was really good. Never, <laughs> ever say it during a reno. Wow, that's really surprising, isn't it? That yeah. you think something more recent would be yeah. done the right way. Could yeah. you not, like, can you tell that when you do a building inspection on a newer property? Like, short of lifting up some tiles, how would you ever That's have discovered that? That's the only that? way. Well, the only the only way to discover it is that um, if it's a second story, you can see leaks, you know, repairs. Yep. And, you know, if they can get into the manhole, they can see, you know, that some of the... Um, the insulation might be, might have had some water damage, 
But when something's only five years old and may it's not used much because this, there's no way this would have been used much, you can't see any wear and tear. Mm. And, you know, the way to see wear and tear is, is things that have been used a lot. So, you know, that's why in a lot of, you know, buildings that are, are only five years old, there's the problem starts happening after seven years because building contracts are for seven years. And then oh. after seven years, oh, it all starts falling apart. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to put gloom and doom. No. It's more of a case of oh, I just want people to be aware that brand new builds and old houses are always going to have some surprise, so be ready for it. That's really interesting because I've always gravitated towards old places and people are like, just get something new so you won't have any hassles. So perhaps it's not necessarily a given. No, it's not. And, and you know, I don't want to put it out there that every new build has these problems. Um, I'm just saying that things do happen with cowboys. Mm. You know, they might be bathroom renovations for somebody cutting corners. Not I'm not talking about big building companies and no. things like that. You know, that's another problem on some sort of things. I, I think it's just you can only do so much research and things could go really smoothly, but don't be surprised when they don't. And so have that contingency regardless of what era of a property you're actually yeah. renovating. Yeah, and otherwise it's toasted sandwiches for a year. <laughs> you sort of wonder sometimes, it's like, oh, get all my mates to come over on the weekend and give them a slab of beer. To, I mean, you know, we've seen on the block that things can get missed or done not quite right in the context of yeah. having multiple people on site checking work. So you can imagine what gets done over a long weekend sometimes. Well, that's the thing, especially <laughs> when you've got beers and a barbecue involved. Ah, oh, we'll fix that later. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden it, it's forgotten about. We're going to get to a listener question in just a moment, Shana. And just a reminder that if you would like to ask Shana a question, you can email me podcast at sen.com.au. Look, to be honest, Shana has tens of thousands of people hitting up uh, her DMs. So don't don't just send a message to her because there's a very good chance that she will uh, fall asleep before she reads the <laughs> 3,000 messages she gets a week. So send us an email podcast at sen.com.au. And if we like your question, we might even get you on an upcoming episode of Homestyle. And we're doing it all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. So my question for you, Shana, is the one thing I know about this house that I've purchased, I have no intentions of fully renovating it or doing anything too crazy for years because, you know, it might be years before I'm there permanently. The people who owned it, put tiles down. Apparently it's a British thing. One of the owners was, you know, had a British heritage. Put tiles down over the original hardwood floors, realised that it was freezing in winter, so they whacked lino over it. So this is the kitchen and dining room area. But what has now happened in the sort of cracks of the grout is that the lino has split. It's a bit of a schmozzle. They were very open about it and said, look, you know, this is our sort of temporary fix. So... What's what's your advice in that situation? Is that something that really I should should just sort it out now? Do you know or? when they put the lino down? Because oh. if it's it t- depends like a crack. How long ago would they have done I'd that? I'd say ten to fifteen years ago, maybe. That's all right. Because when when lino cracks, it could be asbestos lino. No, I think it's <laughs> so quite, it's more recent than more that. More recent, yeah. 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 Oh, look, 
I suppose it depends when they pop the lino down. It depends the glue damage that's done to the tiles as well. Well, I want to get rid of the tiles. Though. I'm, I'm thinking about the floorboards that might be underneath it, or could that be opening up a whole can of worms? Well, it, it, it's <laughs> layer upon layer upon layer. It, yeah. it all it all depends on on their application. Like you know, if they put the tiles down, hopefully they put masonite, then the tiles, and uh, that means that the glue isn't directly stuck to the um, the hardwood. The yeah. hardwood. So what I would do is find a corner where it's um, you know near a cupboard or somewhere that's slightly out of sight and just chip away at that um, that tile and just see how it's adhered. If okay. it's masonite underneath, go for it. Yeah. If the the tiles are glued to the hardwood floors, have a look at the type of glue. You know, it might be if it's a sandy type one, it'll be very easy to get up. Um, but if it's really sort of like full on that glue, cementy stuff, yeah, mm. it could actually um, really be quite hard to, hard to get up. So it's really the application of what they've done, and. You know, if it's done on masonite, home and hose. You can hire a uh, a sander for the weekend or yeah. a couple of weekends and really get stuck into that and have a great time. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a little Pandora's box, so just be careful mm, and don't be disappointed if the floorboards underneath are ruined if it's cemented on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, but sanding it just means you'll have to sand deeper. Okay, that's more what it is. It just means it's a lot more extra work, and you've just got to be. It's a lot slower to pick up the tiles because it, each time you remove a tile, it's grabbing to you know mm. porous floorboards. Mm. So that could be a, a pretty big job. <laughs> Look, it could be, but if you're willing to sort of utilize your skills yes. and um, be labor intensive yourself, you you it won't cost you a lot of money. It'll be a lot of time. Okay, I've got lots of time. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Once I've done the garden, it'll take me three years, so I've got plenty of time. Landy. Uh, and the other question was, friends of mine have a crack at me because I always want to buy secondhand stuff. So I'd love to put some French doors that look out towards the west and, and the sunset. Am I doing myself a disservice to try and buy something secondhand and then get it retrofitted? Can that actually end up being more costly by the time you try and restore or then build around the door frames? Is it better to just get it done right with new materials or can you? I mean, Facebook Marketplace is full of people demolishing houses in Melbourne at the moment going, come and get it, you know, French it, doors. Is the opening already there? No, it's, it's a actually a window. Oh, so it'll be the same thing. If you Okay. If it's a window already there, um, it's you've just got to check, get a builder in just to check whether um, once you take out that window, it's got the proper structural um, background there, sorry, mm-hmm. integrity there to to take a, a door. Right. Look, I think I think costs will be pretty similar. Okay. And you know, if you're buying the doors. Be you know ready to strip them yourself, and use it as a project, and then the builder will come in and put proper jams in. Don't you know? Don't put old secondhand door jam frames and expect it to be amazing. It might okay. be a case you buy the doors and the builder does a fresh jam that goes with it. But the age of the house that's there, I would highly recommend getting secondhand doors on that. I think that will make it really fun. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, okay. If you've got a question for Shana, like I've just indulged in a couple of mine, send us an email, podcast at sen.com.au. Now, this one came in from Liesl M in Albury. So, Albury, have you been to Albury, Wodonga? I have been there once. Okay. Sorry, guys. Beautiful (laughs) part of the world. It's it's kind of that half-half Victoria, New South Wales kind of thing. Uh, So, Liesl's question is, Shana, everyone seems to be jumping on the trend of chalk painting 
renting old, dark, out-of-date furniture, or she asks in brackets, or has that trend passed already? I'd love to try redoing an old sideboard buffet. What should I be looking out for in a second-hand item? Is it all about having good bones? Any tips would be much appreciated. So before we get to that, what are your feelings on the painting stuff? Yes, no, Shana? <laughs> oh, look, you, you're always going to upset somebody. Yes. Um, if it's a, you know, an 18th century antique, no, you can't. Well, who says you can't, though? Because if it's the difference between sending it to the salvos, because Nana doesn't True. want it. I think, or... I think the French lacquer. For me, that's right. the thing. If something is, is, you know, before 1920, after 1920 or before, get my yeah. things right, it, it's got that beautiful surface and it would yeah. be a crime. It would be a crime. So <laughs> that would, that, that becomes restoration. That totally becomes right. restoration in my eyes. So I would be upset. Yeah. Um, but if it's a case of bringing life and beauty to a piece, maybe you can turn a blind eye. But, you know, structural integrity and everything, you know, if you're going to – Sand everything back if you're going to use that elbow grease for the chalk paint. You've got to make sure that you get the legs right, make sure the drawers are fitting properly. You might actually sort of look at the drawers if they don't have runners, you know, you wax around them so they open and glide a lot better. Um, Look at new handles. And these things, you know, if you can get it for $25 and get someone to do a little bit of, you know, straightening up on it and you paint it back and, you know, it may have cost you you maybe – $200 $200 all up working on that and it's absolutely stunning and, you know, that's worth the money. And, you know, the chalk paint, that's – I think it's might look like it's a trend because everybody's been stuck at home doing little projects and showing online what they're doing. Well, I was going to say and actually sharing them. <laughs> exactly. Um, it isn't it, – it's always been around. It's something that's there. Um, I just don't think people have been posting about it a lot and I think – People are just like, instead of, you know, people just posting about their sourdough bread, they're yeah. doing their little chalk <laughs> finish projects. So as long as it suits the environment that what you've got, um, that's the way to go. That's interesting you say about like testing the drawers. So, Liesl, I wouldn't have even sort of thought about that. But I guess, yes, if it's going to be in your kitchen and that's where you're going to have your cutlery, yeah. if it's an old sort of 60s, 70s piece and it's really not easy to open it, then are you ever going to use that drawer? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and also sometimes the drawers get musty and it's very hard to get that musty ah. smell out of those really old sort of um, drawers. So it depends what it's been absorbing before. Um, so, yeah, just be aware of that too. So that's why people put um, on a listing for a secondhand item comes from a pet-free, smoke-free house. Absolutely. It's all absorbed. <laughs> So you walk into their garage to look and you're like, I'll just do the sniff test first. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever done that upcycling that obviously Lisa would like to have a crack at? Is that something you've kind of done much in your past? I did did early on, like, you know, um, in my first home with young kids, uh, definitely repurposing a lot of things. I haven't done a lot of it probably in the last 15 years because of time. Mm. And I've bought most of my forever pieces. So if there's pieces that I need, it needs a purpose to come in. And it's funny talking about, you know, um, you know, do you sort of, you know, restore sort of things or do you paint them? I bought this beautiful little card table of somebody and it's wonky and it needs to be French polished. And if you didn't do anything other than restore, it would be an absolute 
crime. So that's mm. one of my little projects that I bought ages ago. And like you, I've bought a house, you know, in the country and, and mm. this is a project now that I'll be able to restore. Unfortunately, I physically won't have time to restore it myself at um but it's something that I want to learn to do. You know, I, I did French polishing, yeah. learnt that when I first did design school, it's hands, something that's hands-on. And there's there's something about a beautiful ownership of that piece. And French polishing is definitely, you know, where you need coasters, don't have any hot drinks on it. It's precious. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, but you use it for what it is. <laughs> and I have a piece of furniture that's a beautiful old sort of, I mean, it must be before 1900s because it was great, great grandma's. I remember my... My mother telling me that it took her months to strip it because in the 60s someone had painted it. And now I'm looking at it going, oh, maybe I could paint it back because it's such dark wood. I was like, that feels like such a betrayal of a, another person's hard work as well. But I guess if it makes it usable. Well, the thing is, if your mum's or if it's already been painted like in a, you know, an offensive paint and it's been stripped back and it's the dark wood, um, you know, it, it doesn't have that original French polish left on yeah. it. it. It just doesn't unless she French polished it. No. And yeah, so, you know, that that's fine to, to work on that and it keeps it in the family. Yeah. Go for it. Well, if you'd like to ask a Shana a question and maybe even come on the podcast with us in an episode in future, send us an email, podcast at sen.com.au. Uh, you can also now follow Shana on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not sure you still tweet. Not the yeah, no, I tweet heaps. Yeah. TikTok. Tell me about your experiences since we last uh, spoke, Shana, about the realm of TikTok, which is now not just for funny videos and kids dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It was pointed out to me that uh, you can actually sort of do design hacks and things like that. So I started watching it thinking, oh, maybe I can do this. And they're only little 15 second videos. So I'm giving it a go. I'm not TikTok savvy. Don't expect anything amazing, but uh, I'll just see if I can do some hacks on there. <laughs> the other thing I noticed uh, a few weeks ago, Valentine's Day, you actually posted about whether or not one should use a champagne, was it for bubbles? A champagne glass with a stem or one of the trendy stemless wine glasses. Your socials blew up over such a simple question. So as a little parting kind of design argument here, where do you think people ended up? I personally am a stem girl, but apparently not everyone is these days. Well, it, it was it was for wine, so it, it was um, okay. it, it was the the stemless and the stem, and I'm definitely a stem person. And the reason we we did that is because my daughter likes the no stem, and I like the stem, and so it was just like. Well, what does everyone else think? And we, we've done a few things like that at the moment, and um, it's quite hilarious. Sometimes it's a generational thing, but it, the stems won. My daughter was mortified, Thank you. going, Thank you "Mum, Mum won this one." So we're doing a little <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Um, but but it also comes down to the purpose of why you're using it too. Okay. Well, I'm no wine connoisseur, so I wouldn't know if there's any logistical reason to have one or the other. I'm going to put that on my TikTok. Yeah. Well, is it there so you, you can swishle easier with a stem? Uh, you'll have to wait till my TikTok. <laughs> you'll just have to wait. And is it just Shana Blaze on TikTok so we Absolutely. can all find you? Uh, and if there's a little hack or a design uh, question you'd like to see resolved, you can connect with us here at Homestyle Podcast at sen.com.au is the email address. I personally answer them. So guaranteed your question will be considered 
please don't just uh, direct message Shana, <laughs> direct message Shana on Instagram because thousands of people do, which is great. I know you read so much, but yeah. there's a limit, isn't there, Shana? <laughs> there is, and it, it's not fair on people that think that they're going to get a personal message. I just can't. I just yep. can't. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, this has been Homestyle, thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. Thanks, Shana, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Excited. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806.